0: It was the first day of the week, and as the sun began to rise, three women came walking through the morning mist. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome were among the women who had provided for Jesus as he taught and healed in Galilee, and who had followed him to Jerusalem full of hope. Then Jesus was arrested, and they watched Him on the cross, watched him take him his last breath, watched as his bruised and broken body was taken down. And as they watched, their hope faded and was buried in the tomb with him. Jesus was dead. It was all over except for one last task. All through his trial and suffering, the women had been unable to do anything to help Jesus. Now, as they waited through the long hours of the Sabbath, they made plans to make one last gesture of respect. They would clean and anoint his body with spices. And so, as dawn is about to break, the two Marys and their friend Salome make their way to the tomb. As they walk, the women puzzle over the heavy stone that blocks the entrance to the cave where Jesus was buried. They had seen how hard it was for Joseph of Arimathea and his men to roll that stone into place. How could they get in? Who would help them? But then they arrive. And to their astonishment, the stone is lying on its side, revealing the dark entrance of the cave. Mystified, They go inside, but when their eyes grow accustomed to the dim light, they are astonished yet again, for sitting in the tomb is a strange young man dressed in white. Frightened, they turn to leave, but stop in their tracks when the young man speaks. Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who is crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place where they laid him. Three times he tells them what their eyes see, but their minds cannot fathom, that the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. Then the young man tells the women to go and tell Peter and the other disciples to meet Jesus in Galilee. So they went and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. what that's it somehow this feels like the season finale of a television drama you know the kind the, the one where the hero or hero or the heroine is is grievously injured, injured and has gone into surgery and the camera pans to the door of the operating room it pushes open the surgeon comes out the family leans forward in anticipation and we hold our breath and then these words flash across the screen, to be continued. Oh. To be continued? What kind of April Fool's joke is this? Where is the joyous proclamation, I have seen the Lord? Where is the sighting of the resurrected Christ? Not here. Not in the Gospel of Mark. Only some frightened women running away from an empty tomb, and it's even worse if you read it in the re, in the original Greek, because that reads, "They said nothing to anyone; they were afraid for," and it stops. No wonder later scribes added three different endings to Mark's gospel. You could check it out in your Bibles. Surely, this is not how Jesus' story ended. And of course, we know it isn't. Or we wouldn't be sitting here in a sanctuary full of people and lilies and with all the music we can muster playing. At some point, the women must have overcome their fear and told the disciples what they had seen, or rather what they hadn't seen that morning. But in that moment... Confronted by a man dressed in white where, in a place where there should only have been a dead body? No. And honestly, who can blame them? These women had been confronted with one mystery after another. A man who worked miracles and shared God's love, but was hated by those who should have welcomed him. The crowds who did welcome that same man with Hosanna, only to call for him to be killed a few days later a Messiah who got himself crucified, to be told that Jesus was alive was just overwhelming. They had no way to process it, no words to explain it, to be continued. You know, when I think about it, perhaps the women's terrified and amazed silence was not inappropriate after all. Perhaps it was very... Appropriate indeed. For in Jesus, God entered the human story, our story, and changed it forever. Now when we suffer pain and sorrow, we know that we are not alone. Now in spite of all that tells us otherwise, we have hope Now when we are tempted to sin, we have help, and even when we give in to that sin, we know there is the power of forgiveness. Now when hatred and discord appear to be on the rise, we can trust that love has and is and will always triumph. Now, in the face of death, we have the promise of resurrection and life abundant, not just in eternity, but right here and right now. Given the magnitude of that grace, perhaps the only appropriate way to respond to the news of Jesus' resurrection is at least initially with awe-filled silence. Can we trust in this truth? We have not stood staring into the tomb or heard the words of the angel. We were not there on that Sunday morning, how do we believe? I can't tell you that for you, but I can tell you it for me. I believe in this truth because I've known people whose faith has helped them to recover from the horrible disease of alcoholism. I believe it because I know people suffering from terminal illness whose faith enriches the lives of others and who still serve with gladness. I believe it because I have known parent, people who are able to live life to the fullest after leaving, losing a dear wife or husband or parent. I believe it because I have watched many people, many of you in this room, who give their all to care for someone. I believe it because I have sat beside someone who is dying in peace because they trust that they are in God's hands. And I believe it because of the love that I know in my own life, love that gives and forgives over and over again. And finally, I believe it because for over 2,000 years, people have banked their lives on this truth. Awe-filled silence indeed. But there's more... Then silence to be found in this story. Listen again to the young man's words. But go, tell the disciples and Peter that he, Jesus, is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Go, tell. The women were given a task to carry out, and though they hesitated at first, eventually they acted in faith. That same task has been faithfully carried out by countless women and men over the centuries, and now it is our turn to go and tell others that we need no longer fear, for Christ has risen, love had triumphed, and new life is ours. If that intimidates you, and it does me sometimes, sometimes. It may help you to remember that the disciples were sent to meet the risen Christ in Galilee, the site of much of his ministry of helping, healing, and teaching, a ministry in which they assisted. When they saw Jesus there, he commissioned them to take up that same ministry, to go and tell, not just with their words, but in the way they cared for others. Now that ministry has been passed to us. Now it is our turn to continue the story. And we do that by living it out in our daily lives. You see, whenever we lend a hand, offer a listening ear, sit by a sick bed, give a ride, or offer forgiveness, we are doing the work of Christ. Whenever we take time to talk with a youth or a patient with a child, whenever we express gratitude, whenever we open our hand to someone in need, we are telling the great good news of God's love in Jesus Christ. Every time we decide to live in faith instead of fear, we are experiencing resurrection. Every time we share love with another person, we are continuing Jesus' story. What's more, there is a promise that was given to the women. He is going ahead of you. Wherever we go, whatever we do, however we say, however we tell the story of God's love, Jesus Christ is ahead of us, already there, giving us strength, showing us the way, and blessing us with hope and love. And yes, when we choose to live in love, we will see him. Christ is risen. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. To be continued.